Welcome to the Institute of Catholic Culture, a nonprofit Catholic organization dedicated to the re-evangelization of our society through educational and cultural programs offered to the public at no charge. This and other presentations, hundreds of hours of audio, are available for free on our website, www.instituteofcatholicculture.org. There you can listen to or download educational programs related to all aspects of our divine faith, and you can review our schedule of upcoming events. We hope you can join us in person. For those that are here for the first time with us at the Institute of Catholic Culture, we were founded at St. John the Beloved in McLean uh, over five years ago now, right about six years ago. Uh, and two years ago, we left St. John's uh, in order to go out to as many parishes as would open the doors to us to offer education in the faith, Catholic history, philosophy, theology, sacred scripture, spirituality, anything that touched upon the Catholic faith, we offer that to the parish at no charge to the parish and no charge to attendees. And why is that? Because we want to open the doors wide to all those that are hungry to learn more about Jesus Christ. You'll have an opportunity to see these and so forth afterwards. But we have a special guest this evening um, with us before I introduce Father Benedict. And it is Father Benedict's uh, assistant that lives with him and works with him night and day, cares for him in all of his needs. Brother Simon, uh, feel free to step forward. I 
am beyond my wildest imagination now introduced Father Benedict to the Institute of Catholic Culture six times as he continually says, yes, I will come to serve the people of God. As I was reading the scriptures in my office earlier this week, I came across a passage that I would like to share with you uh, because tonight I don't want to try to introduce a man again who needs no introduction, but rather I would like to introduce the Institute of Catholic Culture to Father Benedict. And Jesus called his apostles to him and said to them, You know that those who are supposed to rule over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. For the Son of Man also came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Father Benedict, you have served and worn yourself to the bone for Jesus Christ and for us. And for that, we will always be indebted to you. For we see in you the glory of the Lord. I have for you tonight, as a gift from the Institute of Catholic Culture, a hand-painted icon of St. Benedict Joseph Lavre. Well, I'm so delighted to be here again, and uh, somehow or other, the Lord keeps me alive from year to year, so if I'm still alive next year, I'll be back again. And uh, uh, Sabatino... <laughs> Sabatino and the others in the Institute done, do a wonderful work of education is a wonderful example of lay apostolate, of lay people donating time, energy, intelligence to the work of the church. Now, uh, I wanted to thank that beautiful icon. You never heard of Saint Benedict Joseph Labre. When he was 16 in France, around 17, 50, he left home to become, at 16, a Trappist monk. But he had a nervous breakdown. And six times he joined the Trappists, and he could never stay. And so he went on the road, visiting from shrine to shrine, to church to church, and he became a homeless pilgrim. Uh, he uh, did this for many years, and he would go every year from Rome in the spring up across the Alps over to Spain to the shrine of St. James in Compostela and go back in the fall. And people remembered him. They did not know his name, but they called him Il Santo. Il Santo, the saint. And even to this day, in southern France, you'll find inns marked with the name at the inn of St. Benedict Joseph Labre, because he had stopped there and stayed overnight in the barn. And uh, he finally collapsed on the steps of a church on Holy Week, he was carried into the church, and he died at 4.30 in the afternoon, and there were 10,000 people out in front of the church at 7.30 at night. Il Santo è morte. The saint is dead. And uh, uh, they couldn't bury him during, until after... Holy Monday, 
Easter Monday, and the church, they had to call off all the services for Holy Week because of the tens of thousands of people heard about this. And he looked like Christ when he was laid out in his casket. A Protestant minister, a professor, uh, who was in, from Boston, heard about this crazy thing, and he went to look. And the great crowds, the papal soldiers, made the place for him because he looked like a gentleman. And he walked up to the casket, looked in, and he was converted to the Catholic Church. And that minister, John Tyler, became the first Protestant minister to become a Catholic priest in the United States. How mysterious, how mysterious. So when I arrived 60 years ago in Novitiate, they were reading the life of St. Benedict Joseph, thank you. And uh, I, I decided that I would come to be uh, Brother Benedict Joseph, because in an old religious order, you change your name when you are entered into the new community. Now let's say a little prayer and we'll get started. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Holy Spirit, come and be with us. Guide and enlighten us. Open our hearts and minds that we may understand, value, the mercy of God. And that we may become witnesses for God's mercy to others. That we ourselves receive divine mercy and grow in that mercy. We pray through Christ our Lord. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, St. Joseph, St. Francis, Mother Teresa, pray. Name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, we came up this sub subject with divine mercy. People have been talking about the mercy of God, the mercy of Christ, for 2,000 years. And in the very ancient form of the Mass, going back to the third or fourth century, we have Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy in Greek, Kyrie eleison. So we've all grown up with the idea of divine mercy. However, way back in 1931, a sister in uh, Poland, a devout, humble uh, a sister, uh, she was praying and she had a vision Sister Kowalska, uh, and she saw a vision of Christ coming to her as the mercy of God. And Christ asked her to preach Sister Festina Kowalska that she would tell people to have a devotion to the divine mercy. What is she going to do? a humble little cook sister. She was a teacher. She was one of the sisters that cooked in the convent. The old people here may remember when every parish had a nice convent and there were the sisters who taught and there was always a sister in the convent who was the cook sister. And if you're one of the altar boys, you got sent to the store 
to buy the groceries and uh, for the for the, the cook system. And if you're one of those boys that always said, you always learned that the Jews loved sisters, the old-fashioned uh, sisters, but the habit. And when I would get sent out to shop groceries for the sisters, the guy would say, listen, sister, father, no, kiddo, take this big bag of meat back to sister Anthony, and you tell her, this is from Jake, on the house, <laughs> on the house. And that was something that you knew years and years ago that Jewish people always had great respect for priests, but especially for nuns. Now, as time went on, uh, the world changed very much. And Sister Festina died in 1937, bringing out the idea of divine mercy. And even she had an artist painted a painting of what she had seen in her vision. You may have seen the paintings of the divine mercy. It was a terrible time. That was the beginning of the Second World War. Poland had only lived as an re independent republic from 1918 to 1939. For centuries before, Poland had been divided up, run by, uh, taken over by Russia, Germany, and Austria. There was no country called Poland. It was a geographic expression. And that short time, from 1918 to 1939, Hitler invaded Poland. And he despised the Polish people. He used to say, Slaven Slaven. The Slavs were slaves. And he was incredibly uh, vicious to Poland. Finally, when the war was over, because the Poles held on to their faith, no matter what happened, the Poles were the most loyal Catholics in Europe, along with the Slovaks. And when the war was over, what happened? The communists took over Poland. There were hardly any communists in Poland, but Russia pushed their communist party in Poland, and they took over there. Now, uh, they didn't get as far as the Nazis did, but they were there for decades. And it was during this time that Poland stood up against them. The national hymn of Poland, O God who has saved Poland from centuries and centuries. They stood between Germany and Russia. Poland means the flat land. That's what the word Poland means, the flat land. So it could be invaded both from Russia, from Austria, and from Germany. And a tremendous number of suffering, concentration camps, immense numbers of people killed. Hundreds and hundreds of Polish priests, bishops, were killed. Uh, and you know some of them are, are, are well-known martyrs. Uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe is a representative of the many Polish martyr priests. And then when the war went finally over and uh, some peace into Europe and Poland under the communists was freer than it was under the Nazis. 
and then gradually the Polish Communist Party took more control over Ru than Russia. All of a sudden, you started to see these paintings of the Divine Mercy in Polish-American churches, Polish national churches. And you'd want, everybody wonder, what, what's it about? And uh, would you believe, stupidly, somebody decided that the Divine Mercy devotion was turned off. You weren't supposed to put out the images. You were not supposed to talk about Sister Kalaska. Uh, and you weren't supposed to talk about the private revelation. Da-da. But God has a sense of humor. Never miss the fact that God has a sense of humor. You know, I love hippopotamuses. And if you come to my house, you'll see the pictures of hippopotamuses about. Because the hippopotamus proves that God has a sense of humor. They look funny. Well, uh, what happened uh, is that God laughed because as a result of the persecution of the church in Poland, Poland to this day is the most loyal Catholic country in the world. And right next to it is Slovakia and then is Philippines. This is where the church is very strong. And uh, as you know, surprisingly, we got a Polish Pope. Remember that one? We always thought that Popes were always going to be Italian. And I remember, when I was a young priest uh, listening on the television, the radio, and they, Habemus Papam, and it said his name. I couldn't figure out this name, Voitia. You know, what kind of an Italian is a name like? <laughs> so, and we got used to the idea of a Polish pope, and he has been a wonderful pope about to be beatified. And I was, uh, had the great honor of myself when he was a cardinal meeting him and uh, he uh, had a real sense of humor. I had the opportunity to meet both Cardinal Wojtyla and Cardinal Ratzinger. And what struck me about both of these men, obviously very intelligent, very capable, very competent men, but what struck me with both of them is that they were humble men. They were humble men. And you know, it's not so easy to be humble when you're a cardinal, right? But they both were. Now, because of the visions to St. Faustina Kowalska, John Paul re resurrected the devotion to divine mercy. He did that when he was Archbishop of Krakow. It had been stupidly forbidden. The image was not seen. You were not supposed to publish pictures about it, about St. Faustina. She was not canonized. And somehow, rather, they came out against divine mercy. Well, you know, God has a sense of humor. Yes, he made a hippopotamus. And so what happened, not only did the divine mercy get resurrected, but it resurrected by a pope, and the pope established the first 
Sunday of Easter as the day of divine mercy. Beautiful, beautiful experience. Now, what do you mean by mercy? In Latin, the word for mercy is misericordia. Cordia is heart. And miseria means pain or suffering. It means suffering of the heart. So that you have pity when you feel someone, when you see something happening to a person. You should feel a pain in your heart for them. That's what misericordia means. And it leads us to do things of mercy. Uh, and uh, the other side is justice. Now, you need both justice and mercy. Obviously, the divine will, the will of God, the Ten Commandments are about justice. But even in the Old Testament, the mercy is there. In the Psalms, several of the Psalms have the same word, phrase, over and over again. Quoniam in aeternum misericordia eos. Because the mercy of the Lord lasts forever. So mercy is a very important and good thing. Now, divine mercy shows itself in many ways. Sometimes when tragic things in life, the worst does not happen. And that, we say, will be part of God's mercy. But there are people here tonight, spoke to me before we went in, that sad, sorrowful, tragic things have happened recently in their lives. And it can happen to any one of us. It can happen on the way home. And if you have belief in God's mercy, he will bring goodness out of what is bad. You will wait and see. Go through life and pick out things that seem to you a bad thing. One of the areas that must be looked at is death. Now, some people's death is very predictable. I'm moving in on 80. I don't want anybody to cry at my funeral. I'm going to be waving on my way out. Uh, so long. We had a holy old brother who was an Italian, Brother Ferdinando, and he was about eight years old, and he was dying there. They called the ambulance. You heard the ambulance pull up in front of the monastery. We were all kneeling around his bed in his little cell, and he looked up as he heard the ambulance men running down the corridor, and he said, Arrivederci! <laughs> and he was gone. But out with class. And that's what you call a happy death. Get out. Uh, sometimes people have a painful death. But that will prepare them for eternal life. And at least the old Irish here tonight have, know the expression. The old Irish used to say this all the time. They're having their purgatory on earth. Did you ever hear that? Somebody suffering. And your old 
Irish friend will say, oh, they're having their purgatory at night. And to a degree, it's surely true. Uh, now, what is certainly true, any time in life, no matter what's going on, what can you appeal to divine mercy? Someone may be doing a bad job. Someone may be messing up their life very badly. Someone has got life very confused and hurting other people. Pray for God's mercy for them. One time, I heard a confession many years ago. I was almost afraid to hear the man's confession because he had been in the German army during the Second World War in the SS. Now SS means special services. And there were two kinds of SS. There were the commandos and there were the SS who were criminals. They were murderers. And in fact, the end of the Second War, they arrested any German officer who had SS papers in his, in his wallet. And they didn't even try him. They shot him right there on the spot because they were the SS. They were murderers. They were awful. Well, there I was 25 years later hearing confessions and a man told me that he had been in the SS. He was in the military SS, the commandos. And he lived with this terrible memory of the diabolical things that the Nazis had done, right up out of hell. And what could I talk to him about? The mercy of God. I'm sure in his memory are awful things, diabolical things. Things would certainly send a person to hell, to the bottom of hell. But he was repentant. He was going to Mass every day. It was years and years ago when he was a teenager drafted into the SS. And uh, there he was, someone to receive the mercy of God. What about God's mercy? Because his mercy lasts forever. The worst sin that a person could do, it could be forgiven. The sad example, of course, is Judas Iscariot. In a certain sense, he did the worst thing that anyone had ever done. He betrayed Jesus Christ. And he added to that by killing himself, although he obviously felt very guilty and regretful. But you know, somebody used to pray for the salvation of Judas. Can you imagine that? Would you ever think of praying for Judas, the worst person in history? And you know who that is? St. Teresa of Avila. She used to pray for Judas. And priests said to her, how can you pray for Judas? He betrayed Christ. And St. Teresa said, 
I betrayed Christ too. She was talking about her early years of life. I betrayed Christ. So we all need to think of divine mercy. Now, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. In most people here tonight, if you think about the people who hurt you the most in life, the people that you would have to show the greatest mercy to, are most likely some relatives. Think about it. Ordinary people, people, neighbors, ex-friends, presently friends, friends come, friends go. But relatives, brothers, sisters, cousins, children, parents, oh my, oh my. Now, almost all of my life, part-time or for many years, full-time, I worked with delinquent kids in Children's Village. I was the chaplain there for 14 years, and last Easter I was still working there, saying Mass on Easter Sunday. Many of these children, young people, were very badly hurt by their own family, betrayed perhaps by their mother, or they tell you a number of them, they call me dad, because they never knew who their father was. Their mother was a prostitute, and she had no idea who was the man that conceived this child. How poor. And yet, I have to tell you that these poor kids, you work with them, you know them, and as they get older, they try to be forgiving. They understand human weakness, perhaps more than anyone else. Very poor people, poor kids, poor young adults who have been caught in the severe disorganization of life. There's no family at all. Did you ever meet a child has no family or a child that does have a family and he would be much better off if he never met them? How poor, how filled with compassion. And going your way through life, if you meet someone like that, show them kindness and gentleness because they faced life without the rest of us having helping us in life. This is part of the tragedy of human life. Uh, there are people around uh, now who are very old people who lived through the Second World War in Poland, in Slovakia, in France, in Germany. And they could look back at terrible, terrible things. People in England and in Europe remember when bombs came down out of the sky like rain. Remember the old people here hearing that or perhaps seeing in the news uh, films how difficult life was and how grateful we ought to be that we have lived in fairly peaceful times. 
It's not perfectly peaceful, but it is much more peaceful. And if you want to remember that people don't experience people, listen to what you hear about Afghanistan or in Libya or in other places in the world. How come you and I live in peace? Because we are given a very special blessing in this country, of this country. Now, the point, final point I want to make. Every one of us needs the mercy of God. I was blessed in my life to know several saints, people who are probably going to be canonized saints. One of them is already beatified, and that was Mother Teresa. I knew her quite well, and as now, she is already a blessed. Cardinal Cook, Archbishop of New York, is proposed for beatification and a few others. We, uh, there's one in New Jersey, an old Italian lady, Mama Geely, and keep that open. You might hear about Mama Geely, tough old Italian lady. Uh, and uh, uh, these are great holy people. And if you know someone like that, I knew Mother Teresa and Father Cardinal Cook very well. You realize how different from you they are. These are the friends of God. We are people struggling try to do better, try to be friends of God. But when you get to know them, you realize how different they are from us. Very likely, a number of people in this church tonight remember a person in your family or among your friends who's a saint. Usually an old person. It, it, it takes a long time in life to get to be old. Uh, to get to be saintly. But once in a while, very rarely, you get to know a holy young person like Saint Therese of Lisieux, who died when she was 23 years old. How beautiful it is to watch the saints and to try to learn in your life what it is to grow in the love of God's mercy and his presence. Every day, each one of us knew has something to do. Take the next good step. Going toward God is not riding on a magic carpet. It's one day at a time. I lived with a man who will probably be very soon beatified, Father Solanus Casey. I watched this man. He was an extraordinarily holy man, an old Capuchin. He worked all his life feeding the poor. That was his job. Because when he was a seminarian, they didn't think he was very bright. So they ordained him, but they, couldn't, they wouldn't let him hear confessions or preach. All his life, he didn't preach or hear confessions. But I want to tell you, he could do a lot of other things. I was there as a young brother, and we had this great big orchard filled with apples, 
I'm a city boy. What do I know about apples? And they were acres and acres of apples. And when you have apples, you have to have bees. You have to have big hives of bees to pollinate the apple trees. And we got the bell rang. There was a problem. We all ran out. We had to put on hats and gloves and nets because the neat bees had swarmed like 25,000 bees in the trees. It sounded like an airplane. And some of the brothers that were farmers, they were up there cutting the branches and shaking the bees back into the hives, not very successfully. And the father novice master said to me, get Salamis. And there was Salamis, 80 years old. He came out without a hat, without any gloves, without any net. And he came out. I watched him as close as six feet away. And he started talking to the bees. All right now. Calm down. All right. And you know, they listened. They calmed down. And he looked at me and he said, it must be an extra queen bee in the hive. That's why they swarmed. So with his bare hands, he went down in these piles of bees and he found a little white creature that looked like a white uh, uh, caterpillar. And that was the queen bee. And he picked it up in his hand. And he said to me, the poor thing. And he picked, racked him up in his handkerchief and put it in his pocket. Now, if you touch the queen bee, they all go absolutely crazy. They didn't. And then they were calming down. And he took his harmonica out of his pocket. He kept his harmonica. And he started playing Irish music for the bees. <laughs> Mother McCree and uh, McNamara's band. And the bees calmed down. Uh, I, 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 it was the most incredible thing I've ever saw in my life. By the time of the death of Father Solanus, there were 900 written reports of healings and miracles that he had worked. 900. Many of them written by doctors. Uh, many of them, I met one of them, Dr. Blaine, was not a Catholic. But when he had very severe cases, he would send to Father Salamis. And uh, I'm hoping that very shortly, Father Salamis Casey will be beatified. He should be. And uh, as long as I'll be, I'll remember him talking to the bees. There are people who do things like this. Not very many of them. Now, let us tonight, I'm so grateful that you came and appreciated that you did come up. And I'll be out here signing books. I, I write books. And I want you to know that the friars don't get rich from the books. Because anything we make on selling the books, we give to the poor. Everything. We know. We don't, we're not getting rich. You can look at us, we don't look rich either. <laughs> Does anybody have a question? All right. Well, now, let's say a couple of nice prayers. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of mercy, our life, our sickness, and our life. To you do we cry, better children of you. To thee do we send up our soul, mourning and weeping in this valley. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the fruit of the Bible of Jesus. O clement, O loving, 
Pray for us, Holy Mother of God. O Lord Jesus Christ, we pause tonight in the presence of this most holy sacrament of your body and blood. And we pray for each one of us here tonight and those who are dear to us who are having difficulties or trouble or who are very ill. We pray for the young that they will be protected. We pray for the poor that we will be cared for. Those who are in danger, especially where there is war, that they may be safe. And we ask you, O Lord, to prepare each one of us that at the end of this life we will come to eternal life. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Sacred heart of Jesus. Sacred heart of Jesus. Sacred heart of Jesus. Saint Joseph. Saint Francis. Holy Mother Teresa. In the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brother must have an announcement. Well, I don't have an announcement, but on the way I was outside before while you were talking and a couple came in late and they said, oh, we used to come up to see Father Benedict up in Larchmont. And I said, well, let me guess. This, here's, here's what the situation sounded like, I bet. It was something like this. Oh, hi, Father Benedict. We just arrived. Oh, wait a second. Before we do anything, I got a little bit of work for you to do. So move those boxes over there. That's right. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from the Institute of Catholic Culture. If you'd like to learn more about the mission of the Institute and how you may become a part of this important work, please visit our website at www.instituteofcatholicculture.org or call us at 540-635-7155. And may the glory of Christ Church be ever more manifest upon the earth. St. John the Evangelist, pray for us.